This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. That's German. My name's Alex Bonner, and you're at the Blockbuster Film School. You're late. You've been truant. I brought my pencil. Give me something to write on. I don't feel tardy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for picking that up immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, that voice that you've heard is, of course, David Lee Roth. Da- <laughs> Diamond Dave himself. Yeah! Why's everybody looking at me? That is Mr. Nicholas Souter. Oh. Yes, he is the head gym oh. teacher here at the Blockbuster Film School. Whoa. Yes, yes. Talk about la- a demotion. <laughs> Blow the whistle. Make them run laps. I always felt that my gym teachers just did that just to see if they could. Like some sort yeah, of weird social experiment. My gym teacher was always hungover. Oh, yes. Yeah. I had a couple of those. Yeah, but, I was on the south side. Yes. There literally was one day he's like, he didn't even like bother. He's like, look. I can't do it. Yes. There's basketballs and volleyballs. A- Stay absolute, out of my way. Dude, my basketball coach in high school, Coach Thompson, he was awesome. But you could tell when he was like hungover yeah. and it was like a Friday and he went out on Thursday because he would just pull out the cart full of basketballs and just start throwing them out and not <laughs> saying anything and just be like, and yeah. be like, play basketball. <laughs> and then he would just sit on his laptop. I was like, yep, rock and roll. I love you, Coach Thompson. Our guy would just be like in the bleachers with his head on his fists, <laughs> just holding his head up so he doesn't like like roll down the fucking stairs. <laughs> well, yes. Well, everyone, that was bad. That was high school gym teacher talk here on our new podcast, high school gym teacher school. Hollywood videos, physical education program, <laughs> family video community college. I'm Alex Bonner. I'm the lunch lady here. Lunch person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. Lunch ladies everywhere. It's square pizza day, so it's time for box office bombs. Careers die, things explode, except for Ben Affleck. Apparently, he's he's goddamn bulletproof. Yeah, he literally has made a bunch of trash and has Oscars. Geely, Jersey Girl. That Batman movie. Several Batman movies. That other fucking movie he was in. <laughs> we'll get into it. Movies, I'm assuming Pearl Harbor. Movies he had his name taken off of. Pearl Harbor made money. Did it? Yes. See, well, well, okay, so before we get into that, let's establish what box office bombs or box office poison, whatever you want to call them, flops, a little different. And we're going to make a distinction. The main distinction I would like, and Nick and super producer Brian Tepps can chime in whenever they want on what their distinctions are, but mine are... Just because a movie made money when it came out at the box office does not necessarily make it a box office bomb or a flop because many movies end up being cult classics like Escape from New York or the original Blade Runner or the second Blade Runner, kind of happening now, and these movies eventually make money. They eventually make a lot of money, but at the time they didn't. So we're not going to do cult classics. Those don't count. And another one that I have is something that's kind of more of a modern thing where studios are extremely pissed off because a movie that cost $100 million and then they tossed another $100 million on marketing and then worldwide it made $250. That's, to me, not a box office bomb. That's just you predicted it was going to make a billion dollars and you could green light 900 things and then it didn't happen, so you're pissed. Like, that doesn't count. I'm sorry. Um I disagree with you. Okay, that's fine. And we yeah. can get into that. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, That one I understand is a little more like, 
leeway. Like, is Justice League a bomb? We'll talk about that. I mean, piece of shit. It's a piece of shit. It's a artistic bomb, but it cost two hundred million dollars and made six hundred million four. Well, with the marketing and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with reshoots. Okay. They reshot half the movie. Okay, but see, at that point, though, that's hubris. That's you building two Titanics on top of each other and then being like, it's sinking. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, of course it's sinking. What are you talking about? You reshot a movie for 600, like, what, what could, how is it supposed to? The most a movie can make is like $1.5 billion. Do you think this is Avengers Endgame? Do you really think that? Do you really think that's going to happen? How delusional? I think Warner Brothers is the delusional one, and 20th Century Fox are the lunatics. We'll get into that also. But I just want to go in, before we do it, just a quick, a quick little history thing. Just a little history thing. So Box Office Bomb supposedly termed by David O. Selznick, who was a great producer, MGM, produced Gone with the Wind, probably his biggest thing. And he referred to box office bobs because he said they were going to kill Hollywood and destroy art. I believe he was half right. (laughs) Yes. And we won't go deeply into because, for instance, D.W. Griffith, who we talk about, and as you should in a film history. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In a film history podcast, a great genius and a super racist made many, many silent films. And he made a movie called Birth of a Nation, which should tell you something about America, because that movie was a smash hit. That movie made a lot of money. But then, D.W. Griffith, a weird, conflicted man inside of his own heart, then made a movie called Intolerance, about how he felt that he was mad because people thought he was racist for making Birth of a Nation. This should tell you something about, (laughs) yes, the time period. It's weird that people would think he's racist when he makes a movie where the KKK are the heroes. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. It's so weird. He was like, I'm just making the book. Yeah. I'm just making the book. That's what's in the book. And I don't know. But he then made a movie called- What's he doing t- today? You know, I'm um, pretty, seen him in a while. pretty sure him and Nixon are fucking playing craps in hell. I don't know. Oh, I, <laughs> I imagine, Actually, that sounds like- Nixon got a rough deal. <laughs> he, Hashtag uh, release the Nixon cut. <laughs> I've had enough of these goddamn <laughs> Justice League movies. That's my Richard Dixon, everybody. That's the end of the podcast. But he made a movie called Intolerance, which was a huge spectacle. The set took up like four square blocks of downtown Los Angeles when he made it in the teens. It was about intolerance throughout the ages, about the Jews being enslaved by the Egyptians, about slavery in America. It was, it was about intolerance and how it was wrong. It was a silent movie. It cost insane amounts of money. And surprise, surprise, no one wanted to see it. So it's kind of a weird masterpiece. We have pieces of it, but a lot of it's missing because no one cared. But it's kind of considered, just as a history thing, the first true box office bomb. Because here was this filmmaker at the height of his power, the height of his hubris. He spent insane amounts of money kind of on a vanity project. And it failed. And I think that in Hollywood is going to come back and we'll be talking about a lot. That's all. I just wanted to bring that up. Nick, I know you have some you want to talk about. What's the box office bomb you want to talk about? I hate to throw them under the bus. Oh, do it. There's going to be a lot of bus throwing tonight. There's a lot. Um, <laughs> we did an episode about him. Uh-oh. He's a great director. Okay. Well, he was. Okay. Ooh. I want to talk about Mr. Michael Mann's 2015 film, Black Hats. I'm so glad this is the first one you brought yeah. up. Starring, it's, uh, it fits 
starring Thor yes. as a computer programmer. Correct. I'm sorry. I know. Like, Fat Thor, maybe. <laughs> I would buy that a little I'd bit. I'd buy that. Just him sad about a girl. Yelling. Sad about losing. Yelling at Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with a guy literally made out of rocks. <laughs> but, like, you have this movie. That's a movie I want to watch. I'd watch that movie. Yeah. But you have this Michael Mann movie that's, the budget was 70. Yeah. It made 19. Ooh. Worldwide made 19. Yeah. Lost with marketing. Sorry to start that off. Yeah. Lost $90 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, legendary pictures. Didn't crush them out, but legendary was a, they work with Warner Brothers. They work with Universal. They ended up having to sell themselves to Wanda, which is a Chinese motion picture group, but they. Which is the great irony because yeah. the Chinese in this movie were the enemy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, but they founded that in like 2000 and made a bunch of movies that had some success, but yeah, legendary kind of. I saw this movie opening weekend. Good Lord. I fell asleep, (laughs) not once, Yes, but twice. This is something I want to credit you with. Because you told me not to see that movie, I've never seen that movie. Oh, congratulations. I'm glad I could do that for you. I've seen clips of it. Oh, man, they're so bad. Um, they're bad. I've seen probably 15 minutes of it worth of clips. Yeah. As if there's a very famous filmmaker who still has a lot of clout, who then tried to make a vanity project for a lot of money and bit off more than he could chew, and it turned into a huge flop. Weird. Weird. I don't think this is a vanity project, though. This is just a... I know. Yeah. He the thought... End of, also, he, a little bit of the end of careers. We're going to get into that yeah, a lot of times. Yeah, career, man. Yeah. Like, and then the weird thing is they released a... Uh, they had a two-night showing that was completely yeah. sold out at BAM in New York Oof. where he showed his director's cut. <laughs> yes. And, like, the studio made him switch, like, the things. So he switches around and puts the um, Wall Street thing at the beginning and then moves the explosion to the middle. So it's like a, it changed the entire movie around. And everyone who was there was like, yeah, I mean, it's more watchable, but it's still just a bad it movie. still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's bad. It also is the thing they started doing. I know it kind of worked a little bit just because of the perfect time. And we talked about this on the Michael Mann episode. You should go back and listen to it. It's a good episode. But with Collateral and how Collateral right at that moment and he used the digital cameras for the first time going away from film. And it had that kind of weird effect of the early 2000s. And it was cool. It was grainy. It looks nice. It still looks good. Exactly. But now at this point, he's using the digital cameras and they look, they're cleaner, but they don't have that soul anymore. No. And it looks like he's filming a soccer game. Soccer games look better. They, I, Yeah. The ESPN looks better than yeah. this movie, It, but it looks like trash. I don't know why he went away from film. I don't get it. I know he likes to, he thought of himself or he's not dead, but you know, he thinks of himself on the edge on of this podcast. He is. <laughs> you never know. You never know. He could come back. He could do something, but you're mm-hmm. right. Black hat is trash. The, it's heartbreaking. Cause yeah, what, what did you say on it? It made like lost a hundred million or something. Lost 90 million. Oh, because he did reshoots too. Yeah. And then like he does the digital stuff so he could just like shoot faster and yeah. like change things around the spot and like do right. this. It's like maybe just go back to film and slow the fuck down. Slow down. That was what you were good at, but yeah. studios have changed. So he like, took like a year to shoot. Oh my god. Not not that long, but you know. But still, no, I I believe that though. I really yeah. do. Well, I'll take a turn here. I'll go a different direction. Okay. Now this is gonna be a couple of movies that for some reason. In the late 90s, early 2000s. And this is going to be a time period we bring up a lot. Because there's a lot of people kind of at the tail end of their power. And also at the tail end of their cocaine addictions. 
and they still are willing to pump money into zanier ideas, and they have to keep upping the ante. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, they make Dudley Do-Right, as well as The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, both based around the cartoon The Rocky and Bullwinkle, which I barely knew about as a child, because that's our parents' generation who enjoyed that. And even then, it kind of was a little more like the pinky in the brain of our parents. It was a a sort of an offbeat comedy thing. Explain to the youngsters what pinky in the brain is. (laughs) It was a squidbillies of the, uh, it was a, like, it was an animated show that had some fans that was popular, but it was a cult hit. Even then, it was not the Flintstones. It was not Scooby-Doo. It was not something that still had fans in our generation and the uh, the generation after us that just kind of is this thing. There are still little kids who have Flintstones lunchboxes, right? Nobody knows what Rocky Bullwinkle is. And they made live action versions, one starring Costanza and Renee Russo in 2000. And then Dudley Do-Right starring Brendan Fraser. Also, yes. De Niro's oh, the, oh my God. the baddie oh my in God. fucking Rocky and Bullwinkle. He is. And that's also the first time. He is Boris. <laughs> they got him to do Are You Talking to Me for the first uh, time in another uh, movie since Taxi Driver. Uh, and he throws it away uh, on Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, He's like spinning in a chair. Are you talking to me? Oh, my God. And you could feel his soul die. Yeah. You could feel it die. You could hear him agreeing to meet the Fockers right. and Righteous Kill at the same time. That's why he's so good in The Irishman is because his soul is gone. It left his body in that moment. He's just a vessel who speaks now. Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle in 2000, the production budget was $98 million. Yes. Worldwide gross, $35 million, not including marketing. And the estimated now inflated loss is $92 million. That's just on that one movie. Dudley Do-Right was pretty close, pretty close to that. Dudley Do-Right was 1999, budget of 70, worldwide gross 10, so it lost, at the very least, $60 million. That was back to back. Yeah. Dudley Do-Right, it stars Brendan Fraser. It was directed, bom, by, bom, bom, bom. It was directed by someone named Hugh Wilson. He was the showrunner for WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's so, also the worst Wilson brother ever. <laughs> he, he also died in 2018, so he's got that going for him. But, uh, Getting yeah. dark over there. Dude, there's going to be a lot of, they made this movie, and that's the end of that. Well, I have one for that, actually. Yeah, hit me up. Perfect transition. We were talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. because I never heard of this movie. Okay. And none of it makes any fucking sense. So... It's the James L. Brooks directed How Do You Know? This movie came out in 2010. Yeah. This is the How last. Do you know, you don't know. No one's exactly. ever heard of this. <laughs> this is the last movie he ever made. Okay. And this is the last movie Jack Nicholson was ever in. Wow. It's a huge <laughs> bomb. It costs, here's the thing, which blows my fucking mind $120 million. With what? Brooks got a salary of $10 million. Oh. Reese Witherspoon got 15, yeah. Nicholson got 12, Owen Wilson got $10 million, and Paul Rudd got three. Ugh. And then there were a bunch of reshoots, yeah. and James L. Brooks apparently likes to direct real slow. So they came in way over budget and way past like production. They had to keep pushing it back, and then they had edited it super fast. But then James L. Brooks was like, no, we got to it slow. And also, here's the best part. It got released on December 17th. This was 
the big year-end Oscar bait Christmas. Go with your family movie. This is the beginners. They're like, it's going to be like that. It's going to be an ensemble movie with all the big stars in it. People are going to love it. Music by Hans Zimmer. So now we're going to hear super producer Brian Tepps cry. Well, it's not his fault. I no, like- but I mean, come on. <laughs> I feel like composers have a little bit more of like a mercenary kind of side of things where they're just like, now you make music for this. They're like, fine. That's fine. I don't care. Jack Nicholson hasn't been in a movie in a decade because Mm -hmm. of this movie. He doesn't care. He's too busy secretly dating Jennifer Lawrence. And just eating cheese fries at the Lakers game. (laughs) Just being confused by the cheese fries at the Lakers games. Being at the house that the the Manson family murdered all those people at and then getting a call to get cocaine and then leaving. And having a whole career. I'm glad you brought up a, that movie because before you talked about it the other day, I had never even known that movie existed. Yeah. It's it's mind-blowing. <laughs> Speaking of movies that I didn't even know existed, that were giant bombs that I had never heard of, there was a movie called 47 Ronin. Oh, yeah. That came out in 2013. Now, it is one of the few movies that had Keanu in it, where he played someone who was half Japanese. That's how you get away with it. <laughs> I'm half this. Yeah. Um, hey, ScarJo. Hey, yeah. ScarJo. <laughs> Learn from this. Yes. Uh, certainly Emma Stone did in Aloha. I don't know how much huh. that movie bombed, but... More like the audience has said, Aloha, because that's also goodbye. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's uh, how we were not allowed in Hawaii anymore. Um... So, also, is that true? I hope that's true. Either way, leave it in. (laughs) No, it's correct. I know all about Hawaiian culture. It was directed by someone called Carl Rinchke, who does not have a Wikipedia page. I think he was a stunt guy. That makes sense. Yeah. You know what? I saw it once at the bar. That's how I saw it. So I didn't see what sound on. I was bartending. I'm not that big a drunk. And it was that shot at me. No, it's a shot. I've watched at, a lot of movies with it's you a, at the bar. It's a, it's a secret defense mechanism. Okay, okay. So the police don't come and take away my belongings. It looked really cool. It actually looks really dope. The trailer looked I almost saw this movie in theaters, and then I forgot it was out. I think that's, it's one of those ones where I would just chalk it up to, it just was too much. It yeah. just wasn't, who is this for? Who is this for? I don't. It's half Asian Neo fighting right. ninjas who are actually Japanese and also ghosts, if I'm not There's mistaken. There's a lot of spooky supernatural stuff. The bad guy is definitely a, like a ghost monster. Spoiler alert for 47 Ronin. So I'm sorry about that. It was a straight up universal release. It was. Which blows my mind. I know. And. They also did release The Mummy. It's also, it's Keanu. So they were like, yeah, Keanu. I mean. But this is well before the. Keanu uh, Lucian. I don't know. It's, it's, it's always been going down. That, this was released in 2013. Keanu, Keanu's been making stuff since he was Ted Theodore Logan. That Yeah, but like his movies don't always make money. But more often than not, the Keanu ratio to big hits to f- mega fails is way in the column of like you go into Speed, you go into the three Matrix movies. I mean, there's a lot of Keanu that you go into the Wick movies. You go, I mean, there's a lot of Keanu that makes a lot of money. For instance, a movie we like, I was looking up Constantine. Constantine actually made a little bit of money. Like, Constantine was not a giant flop. Um, no, it made money. Yeah, and so probably on the power of Keanu. Keanu actually is a yeah, draw-money movie star. And I'm... Uh... I'm going to admit something nobody knows. Hmm. 
I saw Constantine in theaters twice. That's what I'm saying. There was a lot of people, and it's a good. It, I would recommend yeah. Constantine. It's not a John Constantine story of the comic book guy, but it's just a cool movie. I've never read it, so I didn't know the exactly. Difference. It's yes. just like Moody Keanu Reeves. Sign me up. Yeah, I've also have always loved Keanu Reeves yes. for the simple fact that he does nothing and he's still overacting. That is fair. Yeah. Um, but also, I've, the second I saw him as Ted Logan, I was like, "This is my guy. This is my guy." Sixty nine, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> George Washington <laughs> had wooden teeth, fought Moby Dick. So, <laughs> um, forgot about that line. Yes. 47 Ronin also, it this, now this is more indicative of 2010's bombs, where it had a budget of 175 million, worldwide box office 150, plus you throw in. 70 in marketing, and you're looking at a fail. You're looking at a big-time fail, and it's probably never going to reach the status they wanted, even though it's one of those ones where I just kind of wanted to bring it up because I think it's kind of worth watching. What's one that you're like, this is is trash? Or, I don't know, what do you... (laughs) I've never seen the whole thing. Mm. It's definitely on this list. I didn't realize it cost this much. Yeah. The Ivan Reitman directing Ooh. Robin Williams and Billy Crystal starring oh, Fatherhood, Father's Day, Father's Day, or whatever. This, this movie cost eighty-five million dollars. <laughs> Sorry, the amount of movie I could make with five hundred thousand dollars, the amount of money, like that, what we could do to help humanity with five hundred thousand fucking dollars. Like, sorry, sorry. This is an sorry. actual I'm thing this yeah. from the description. The film features an appearance by the musical group Sugar Ray. <laughs> this is goddamn Mark McGrath's fault. It was a major critical commercial failure. Oosh. Oosh is right. That is the correct answer. Julie Louise Dreyfus was nominated for a Golden Raspberry Raz, <laughs> Razzie Award. Wow. She lost to Alicia Silverstein. Stone. Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> Shell Silverstein's. Shell. Weird doppelganger. Alicia. <laughs> As Alicia Silverstone should only win Razzies. I apologize. But, yeah, I remember seeing the poster for Fatherhood and... Father's Day. Fa- I don't care. <laughs> and immediately <laughs> immediately saying to myself, yep, I like Billy Crystal and I like Robin Williams and I don't care. I remember there is a montage in this where Robin Williams, who at this point was like was 97, so he's like just deep in his depression, is doing a thing where Doesn't he's... He win- Best actor, best supporting actor for Goodwill Hunting right around then? He was still sad. Oh, he was he was sad. He yeah. was in his angry guy phase. Yeah. You're right. That's true. Yeah. He does a th- like a montage of him trying on clothes to seem hip to meet his teenage son or whatever the fuck. To Sugar Ray. <sighs> I'm done talking about this movie. That's, that's just, that be. took all the piss out of me. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. As you should be. I'm going to bring up one of the classic ones that everyone brings up. We've brought it up before. It is a movie called The Adventures of Pluto Nash. This movie stopped Eddie Murphy from acting and doing stuff for a while. Yeah. It, like, wrecked his brain. It was like a divorce from Hollywood. And it should have been because The Adventures of Pluto Nash came out in 2002. So there wasn't as much marketing budget back then. It had a budget of $100 million. What? And it made worldwide box office. Brian, super producer Brian Tapps. What do you think? What do you think? Worldwide box office? 13 million, I'll say. I didn't look 13, this up. 13, that's fair. Ooh, spooky, because it made $7 million. Nice. 
That's oh you yeah, you dick. I want to win that one. That's, That's a qualification. Adjusted gross, adjusted gross for two thousand twenty dollars to twenty nineteen dollars. That is a loss of a hundred and thirty four million doll hairs. Damn. Goodbye the careers of Jay Moore. Goodbye the careers of pretty much anybody else who's in that movie who can't recover, who was never a movie star in the. You know what? Mm. If you're saying that ended Jay Moore's career, mm. I suddenly like that movie. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's a nice. I appreciate that, Jay Moore. Jay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about everything. Randy Quaid was in it. He's fine now. Um, <laughs> Joe Pantoliano. He actually is. He's, he's, right. he's doing he fine. He doesn't give a shit. Luis Guzman. What happened to him? It killed Peter Boyle. Pam Greer was in it. John Cleese. A lot of big stars now. Yeah, it was. It killed Castle Rock. Remember Castle Rock? Wow. Yeah. That's Maybe. where Stephen King lived. Yeah. It, well, but. Village Roadshow, which had been around for like 15. It's still around. Village Roadshow, yes, but Castle Rock. Castle Rock, no. Gone. That destroyed Castle Rock. That was the end that, of them. That came out in 2002. That production company has been dead for so long. There's a fucking TV show with that title, and no one remembers the, the, the thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But like Castle Rock made City Slickers. It made Honeymoon in Vegas. It made Misery. Like, yeah. It, it made a shit ton. It made. That was like Stephen Shawshank Kingston. Redemption. I, I mean, yeah. it, it made tons and tons of awesome and classics. Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy and that stupid movie destroyed. Yeah, it. I saw the last twenty minutes of that movie, and I could see what's going on. Like, I could see the memory of it and yeah. what's happening, and I can't explain any of it. Yeah, it's the weirdest fucking thing. Ron Underwood has a Wikipedia page. He directed the movie. Okay, it says is an American film director, producer, and television director. That's it. That's the end of his Wikipedia wow. page. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so good. Um, so that's can, that's. can we start a, a Wikipedia page for Brian right now just so it has more than that? Mm-hmm. I think Brian's doing a way also better job. Also, in the job. Pluto Nash movie, the money on it has Hillary Clinton on it. I don't want to say anything. I'm not going to be one of these people. But, good job, but Eddie Murphy. Yeah. You ruined everything. You ruined everything. You ru- what the shit? I mean, he got saved by Mike Myers as another SNL guy throwing him a bone to be a donkey voice. In a movie that no one thought would work, and it worked, and he was saved by Spielberg and Wayne's World. Otherwise, he's trash. What's what's another one on your uh, list of uh, box office poison there, my friend? I want to talk about one I actually like. Granted, mm-hmm. there's a lot of prefacing with this one. I used to work at a Southside bar as a doorman, okay. and I used to show up high on various things because... <laughs> I was miserable. It's the South Side. And, um, yeah, it's the South Side. <laughs> My favorite part about working in this bar sure. was that they would show, like, um, sports games. I couldn't, if you will. I couldn't sports think of a fucking, games. I couldn't Thanks. think of a single sport. Basketball. There you we go. You even like soccer. We, I love soccer. That's, <laughs> that, that's different. That's art. Anyways. Ah, uh, yes. So. <laughs> you couldn't think of the word football. <laughs> Sports. I, sorry, I, sports. So they had sports on. What are you, Kiara? Sorry. <laughs> That's what we're going to call it. It's a sports ball. I know, and I appreciate that you did. They also showed all the games. Anyways, yes. so they would show like hockey or baseball or basketball or fencing or <laughs> crickets. I wouldn't even call them now. I love you. They're all coming now. All these sports. Discus. And the game would end, mm-hmm. and they would just leave on Channel 9, mm. wherever the game was on. So then. The, the, That's there, WGN here in Chicago. Everybody. That's WGN, everybody. The weatherman's a prick. Anyways. <laughs> His brother's in prison. <laughs> Tom, you, you're a friend of the show. Don't listen to them, okay? I think you're a fine man. <laughs> yeah. Prick. 
one of the greatest things ever was they, they just leave on the TVs. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't change it. And then the DJ would start playing. And they used to show Chappelle's show reruns. Everyone would just watch, and they would know all the jokes, and everyone would just laugh. And it was great. And sometimes they would show movies they could show for real cheap. Because mm. you're showing this on WGN on, I guess, Saturday night at mm. like 11 or midnight. Oh, yeah. One of these movies <laughs> was the 2000 animated film Titan AE. Oh, yeah. I Tepps is super producer Brian Tepps giving us a up. big yeah. thumbs up. Big fan. This movie... Has Matt Damon, Bill yeah. Pullman, Drew Barrymore, John Logazamo, Nathan Lane, Janine Garofalo, Ron Perlman, and my personal favorite, Tone Loke. Oh, yes. The funky Comedina. Uh huh. <laughs> yes. Funky Comedina killed my uncle. Um, <laughs> yeah, like this movie's fucking dope. Mm. I, uh, when the game was over, I went outside to go see if anybody was doing anything outside, and I smoked a one hitter, and I came back inside. <laughs> And I was so high, I just sat there and stared. And I had no idea what was going on at the bar until the commercials came on. And then I was like, oh, shit, they're fighting. Yeah, he got it. That was this movie. This is a fucking disaster. That's how good Titan AE is, everybody. It's, it'll make you without, forget that you're in a bar and there's combat going on. Eventually, I saw it later with the sound and like yeah. the dialogue and stuff. And it wasn't as good the first time. <laughs> yes. But I still really liked it. It's also... Um, Ponyo, that's an mm-hmm. animated movie. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw that was on Christmas Day at my grandparents' house on the Italian channel. So it was dubbed in Italian, and it was fucking wonderful. <laughs> and then I saw, like, the regular version. Right. I was like, oh, man, this, nah. is, this is a bummer. De- depending on the voices for animated is very important, yeah. too. And I find that also, that's interesting you bring that up, particularly with animated movies for some reason, because when they put people's voices over characters, sometimes it doesn't work. And... I find that in video games, too, that sometimes it's almost better to just read the dialogue because then your brain creates what their voice sounds like and it's nicer. Kind of like sometimes it's better to read characters in a book than watching them on a tele, you know, because you come up with this, you know, you read on the page and your mind creates how the words sound, but then when someone delivers them, they suck. It's interesting, particularly with animated movies. Yeah, Titan AE, I believe, I got it right here in front of me, it was up there of fails. It's 90 million budgets yeah. and it made... I think uh, 36, Ooh, which in 2019 dollars is $145 million loss. God damn it. That is. Also, I think we should mention something mm-hmm. where like people might forget that Don Bluth, the last Don Bluth movie. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Yes. He did Anastasia and, um, and a Lady in Tramp and Secret of Nim and was yeah. uh, one of the. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was an amazing uh, American Tale was an amazing animator. And it was the last Don Bluth movie. You are right. Yeah. Um, He's still alive, though. He's just. He just old uh, and Titan AE. Yeah, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of yeah. you were a great filmmaker and animator, and then you made this. Yes. Now get the hell out of here! And they drove you to the LA County line and threw you out of a yeah. car, and you <laughs> rolled. Ah! Or they just walked you to the gate of a studio yeah. and grabbed you by right. your shirt and your pants. Yes. And just huffed you, or more over so, the fucking. They uh, just pushed you into a lift now and took you to LAX, and yeah. you sadly flew back to. Tempe, Iowa. Arizona, or wherever the shit is, yeah. wherever the hell you're from. Well, we should mention something with the budget stuff and like the marketing. Mm-hmm. People might forget this, but in the late '90s, early 2000s, there wasn't as much like yes internet things, and there Correct. wasn't as much streaming. Yes, and there wasn't all the streaming music. Like now, when you advertise, you have to like hit up fucking everything. You advertise yeah. on Facebook, yeah. on YouTube. 
there's so much media. And you're advertising for other markets. You're advertising exactly. for China, for India, for, you know, all over the world, everywhere. Yeah. Brazil. I mean, you're you're trying to do what you only once cared about in America and maybe Europe. Yeah. Now you're trying to do in everywhere. six or seven more yeah. markets, big markets where you are trying to put posters and be on TV and send those actors over there and take them on press tours. Believe me, I get it. I get why it costs like double the budget sometimes to do the marketing. But I still think it's hubris. I still think it's dumb because my dad once brought up and it always stuck with me that when the movie Cliffhanger was coming out, there was a commercial for it every 10 seconds. And my dad was like, this movie sucks. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And he said to me, he goes, they wouldn't have a commercial for it every five minutes if it was good. They know it sucks. And I remember I saw a trailer on TV for Gladiator on the Super Bowl at the halftime. And that was the only commercial I saw for Gladiator. Yeah. And then Gladiator came out and it was a insane runaway success and won Best Picture. And, you know, and now we what have is this the picture? Joker. Yeah. What is this movie? Gladiator. Yeah, the one with uh, the guy from The Nice Guys and Joker. Ryan Gosling? Ryan. <laughs> the other one, the more Australian one. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, Russell Crowe. Yes. Yes. This is the movie he's in with Denzel Washington. They're cops in the 70s. Is that Fallen? No, it's American Gangster, but I was trying oh. to make a virtuosity joke. And I oh, fucked it up. yeah. I was, I was about to say. Also, virtuosity should be on this list. I guarantee we Virtuosity made money. That was absolutely Russell Crowe at the height of being a handsome man. That was absolutely, that movie made money. That's terrible. It, virtuosity was a little bit of a surprise hit. Super young, super violent, super cool Russell Crowe. That was the first time. That was the first time he popped out. Also, Denzel at the height of his powers. The absolute Denzel being Denzel. Like, Yeah, also bad CGI. Yeah. Oh, it's not a good movie. That's not what we're getting into. We're going to bombs. Um, wait, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Budget $30 million, box office 24 I, I don't know. Well, great. I don't think that's true. <laughs> We'll get it. <laughs> I'm just reading it. No. Well, I mean, it seems strange to me. I just remember it being more of a hit in the 90s. I was around. I remember it being kind of a people going to see it in the theater. But maybe that was just at that random time at that random theater. I Everyone who saw that movie was at that theater. Possibly. So one of the movies that I like that's a big box office bomb. And there's two of this director's movies on the list of Mm. the biggest box office bombs. This was not the one that killed his career though. He was allowed to do one more that would then crush his career, but we've talked about him before. We will absolutely have an episode about him, Mr. John McTiernan. And in 1999, he made a movie with Antonio Banderas called the 13th warrior. It is a version of Michael Crichton's the eaters of the dead, which is in turn a interesting retelling of the story of Beowulf. It is a Viking movie. It's very spooky. It's very weird. It has all this kind of cool Viking stuff in it that you never see in anything. I really enjoyed that movie. I went to see it twice in the theater. I even went, I took a girl that I liked in high school to see it on a date because I liked it so much. And was there a second date? You know what? There was. Okay, cool. She actually really liked it, too. Whenever I show it to people, they like it. I think it just was one of those ones that came out in the studio, didn't like it, and the studio didn't know how to market it, and it just... That's a big problem. It Yeah, and they didn't know what to do with it, and they it just kind of came out, and it died. It had a budget of an estimated $120 million. It grossed $60 million. 
you know, now adjusted inflation, that's like a hundred million. It was a fail financially, but I still would make the argument that it is not a fail artistically. Like I watched it recently. I highly recommend the 13th warrior. It will be on my blockbuster wall, spoiler alert, but it definitely failed. And when we do a lot of research for our McTiernan episode, McTiernan rubs some people the wrong way. And I wonder if McTiernan kind of went down because of the fact that he couldn't play ball in the studios because I'll just toss this one in here too. The one that would eventually take, well, I'll ask you, Nick too. Have you seen the 13th warrior? No, no, no. Will you watch it with me? Yeah, if I of course. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's why I love you guys. But the movie that would eventually take John McTiernan out of Hollywood altogether is Brian Tepps' favorite movie. It is a 2002 classic, once again, late 90s, early 2000s, crushing out a lot of our big 80s and early 90s. It is a movie called Rollerball. Yeah. Is it with Drew Barrymore? Uh, no, it has Chris Klein, oh. Jean Renault, LL Cool J, Rebecca Romaine, and Naveen Andrews. Uh, it, who boy, that one is not good. 13th Warrior is good, okay? This is um, a McTiernan movie? Yeah. And it had a budget of $70 million and worldwide box oh office. Oh, my fucking God, I remember this movie. $25 now. Million bucks, which had estimated $2,019 is close to $100 million. The reception on it was the opposite, whereas The 13th Warrior actually has some pretty good reviews for it. The <laughs> rollerball... This was John McTurner's last big Hollywood movie. Timeouts. Trevor Johnson described it as a checklist shaped by a 15-year-old mall rat, thrashing metal tracks, skateboards, motorbikes, crackheads, and Rebecca Romaine with her top off. Roger Ebert called it an incoherent mess, a jumble of footage in search of a plot, meaning, rhythm, and sense. One of the worst movies I have ever seen. Holy God damn. And you know Ebert... Likes McTiernan. He does. He was dropping the hammer. Everybody was like. Also, just to put this in perspective, Ebert gave Escape from L.A. three and a half stars. Yes. There are a bunch of movies on this list that Ebert said thumbs up to a lot of big bombs. So him dropping the hammer on that one was different. What's another one you got there, Dick? What's Maybe you got a bigger one on there? You got a big fail or uh, you got one? Or you can go any direction you like. I know you like some of these ones. I know you're big fans of, uh, yeah, there's a couple of Michael Mann. Super producer Brian Taps is showing me a note of another Michael Mann movie. But see, the difference, and I'll bring it up real quick before you bring it up, but Ali, Ali was a box office bomb, but it was Oscar bait, and it most certainly got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. And I think that was a bigger bomb than probably they were expecting. But... That's also a little bit of a weird one because sometimes studios will make a movie, for instance, a lot of P.T. Anderson movies, for instance, where they are ready to lose money, but it is about cachet. It is about prestige. It is about making a movie that shows everybody we still make the best critically acclaimed movies, kiss our ass. And I think Ali a little bit falls into that category. Also, it's super boring. They somehow made a movie about one of the most exciting human beings who ever lived in humanity. Boring as shit. How is that possible? Sorry. And you're Michael Mann. I don't know. So what? this is one of those things where the movie made money, but marketing, whatever. I mm -hmm. actually saw this this year. No, mm -hmm. not, I saw this last year. Okay. The day after Thanksgiving. 
I uh, had come home, I had a bad holiday, and I went to go drown my sorrows in a Little Caesars $5 hot and ready. Hells yeah. And uh, Joey was home, my old roommate, and I sat down with him. I was like, have a slice. He goes, okay. And then I finished the rest. As you do. As you do. He I- had on Poseidon. Oh. The 2006 remake from Wolfgang Peterson. Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> it would have gone down easier. Yeah. <laughs> so this piece of shit <laughs> and cost $160 million. Woo! Here's the thing. Yeah. It made 181, nah. but this was like a worldwide release. It yeah. lost $70 million. Yeah, it did. That was the end of Wolfgang Peterson. <laughs> it was. And also... <laughs> I don't know what Josh Lucas has been in besides Lowe's commercials. This movie was... Also the last Richard Dreyfuss movie. No way. For real? I think so. It's close to it. I think Richard Dreyfuss... such a bummer. I know. Richard Dreyfuss, he's definitely in it. And I... I th- he's, yeah, he's in it. I think I remember him saying something as though along the lines of at a press conference. And I think I may have brought this up on the show too. So I apologize for our super fans. But someone at... Maybe like the Golden Globes, he was there, and they asked him, and they said, why'd you retire from acting? And he said, because my agent stopped calling me. Yeah. And <laughs> and then he said something along the lines of, thank you, Poseidon. In the <laughs> Well, actually, after Poseidon, he played Dick Cheney in W. Right, but, but like I think it's- And four years imbe- where he didn't do anything. Yes, I think it's kind of an- imbe- <laughs> Yeah, four years. Yeah. Might have been right was- in there. Might have been, my agent stopped calling me. This movie's got Kurt Russell, Josh Lucas, Richard Dreyfuss, Emmy Rossum. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say your name? Yeah. And Andre Brower. <laughs> well, Andre Brower is uh, Brooklyn, Bro- Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Homicide. Really great yeah. actor. He is great. Yeah. Kind Here's of a problem. TV guy a little bit, though. This movie was so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I came in. Joey's watching the whole thing. I'm like, yeah. who's that person related to? He goes, I have no idea. He watched it from the beginning. He couldn't, like, he's like, oh, that's, I think that's Kurt Russell's son-in-law. <laughs> And then, like... Oh, good. It was such a dumb... Oh, my God. And then um, the practical effects, like the sets, yeah. were decent. And then there's all these special effects, and it looked like a video game. Yeah. And it was dark, and it was water. Like, how do you fuck up water CGI? It's also one of those ones where, at this point, with how jaded the world is... Yeah. Cruise liner full of assholes flipping I over. Know. I mean, do I care? I don't know. I don't, do I care? I don't... I, I'm sorry. No. I know that's dark. I know that's super dark. But from a movie perspective, you made a joke like 20 minutes ago about like <laughs> somebody being dead last year. Like, oh, that's good for them. So this well, is not that dark. I listen based on <laughs> based on when you you finally tank out after when you finally just crush out. Okay, I apologize to whoever that was. I forget what their name is. Um, it doesn't matter what their <laughs> name is. Well, okay. So kind of going into big remakes that failed hard. There have been quite a few because that was based on the Poseidon Adventure, which was a big hit in the 70s. And then they brought it back in the late 2000s, which, you know, by that point, everyone really was super into the Poseidon Adventure. And we were just like, when's the next Poseidon Adventure? When will that be? I think about it all the time. So there are two. There are two on the list. Basically, when they make Peter Pan remakes that don't involve Robin Williams or Steven Spielberg and are not sequels to Peter Pan. They do not work. Pan in 2015 and Peter Pan in 2003 both had like $150 million budgets, both made like $122 million worldwide. But as you said, we're talking probably you double the maybe double, on those. Yeah, you least. double that budget with that marketing. There were, Pan was the one with um, Pan's Wolverine. 
Yeah, I think so. Pan's the one. Now, if it would have been about the god Pan of Mischief and Mayhem, that would have been much more interesting. Directed by Joe Wright, starring Huge Jackman. Yeah. And someone named Levi Miller, who doesn't do anything. No. There was advertisements for that fucking everywhere. 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 Uh, Joseph Wright, he directed Pride and Prejudice in 2015. Hannah in 2011. Anna Karenina. And then... Oh, this guy. Yeah, Darkest. Oh, he directed Darkest Hour. Well, he came back. They gave him one more. And then he got Oldman an Oscar, so. They got him out of uh, I Hate Jew Jail. <laughs> British people also are, have a little bit of that. You know, they're, they're if you're at the high end of British directing, you can kind of you can kind of bounce back with Oscar bait. Yeah, oh, yeah. Joe, okay, Joe, all right, all right. Also, he's making Pan. Yes, Pan. His next movie sounds really good. And also... I went against my own rule. I slightly bashed on that one of a movie I have not seen. I'm just bringing it up as I saw the 2003 Peter Pan, and it is dumb. I will say that. That one is directed by PJ Hogan, your favorite director, (laughs) and he is Australian. And here you go. What is all these Australians ruining Peter Pan? PJ Hogan is an ACTA award-winning Australian film director and writer. That is end of bio for... (laughs) <laughs> for his Wikipedia page. His next movie after <laughs> Peter Pan was five years later is a TV movie called <laughs> The American Mall. Oh, great. <laughs> I actually would rather see that. I enjoy malls, and I would rather watch that. Yeah, so there's a lot of... <clears throat> whenever I, they do mythological stuff, Jack the Giant Slayer in 2013. I mean, there's a lot. of Egypt. Gods of Egypt. Although Gods of Egypt made some money because Gods of Egypt was very clearly not made for the American audience. No. It was, it did that thing that kind of, that the Fast and the Furious kind of started where they take a famous actor from every continent and they put them in a movie that doesn't have that much dialogue in it. So they don't have to subtitle very much. And then they send it to every market everywhere in the world. And it has like a $160 million budget, double it twice, 300 and it makes 500 million. Not huge. Like, not mega, we're rolling in cash, but makes money. I don't know. And Gods of Egypt is... I got, a, I got an idea. Mm. They should make another Peter Pan movie. Yeah. But they should do it with an all-female cast, because mm. then it'll be different. And if people don't like it, mm. then they're um, they're sexist bigots. Mm. And then... Kind of like that one they used to show on TV when we were kids. You know, the one that was like the old uh, stage play, and it was the... Julie Andrews was uh, Peter Pan. <laughs> no, I was just, I was saying, <laughs> and I was like, ghost. wait, is that Julie Andrews? My dad's like, shut up, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's like Peter Pan's a dude. No, 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 not this. It's Julie Andrews. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Mostly, it was a set of Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, regardless of why Ghostbusters, because it was terrible. <sighs> There's know. no jokes in that movie. I know, and I maybe have said this before, but. It's one of the more disappointing movies to me. I am absolutely not in the douchebag camp when they were like, all these hilarious women that I like, Kristen Wiig and Jones and just and Paul Feig and, you know, who did Bridesmaids. And I was like, yeah, this is a good idea. This is how you do it. If you're going to reboot Ghostbusters, you do it this way. And it came out, and it's one of the most flat over like produced you can tell that the amount of you could feel the rewrites like you could feel them you could just oh why are characters saying this because okay certain demographics don't like it when you do this okay they don't like it when you say dildo so instead of saying dildo in the joke say sex toy you know it's like why why i don't it just had this ah 
Did you like Ghostbusters, Nick? Um, no, not at all. <laughs> I liked seeing it in the theaters with you because as the movie went on, yeah. your sighs got louder uh, and louder till basically there was nothing left of you. I just watched you like sort of dismantle. Uh, and I could tell it kind of weighed on a person I still care about like, who also went to see it with it. I, I was just disappointed. I was super disappointed. I, like, I'm not, here's the yeah. thing. I'm not, I don't have the same attachment to Ghostbusters as you do. I like the movie, but sure, it just didn't. But this, yeah, was it was bad, right? It was terrible. It was terrible. It was so bad. You could tell when they did the reshoots. You could tell when the jokes weren't working. You, like Ugh. you could tell they didn't want to be in the movie. Yeah. The the actors There's a running just, gag about not getting enough wontons and soup, and that's like uh, that's the only the only other joke I remember mm. is Kate McKinnon and um, Kristen Wiig mm. are listening to a tape, and there's a fart on it. She goes, is that a fart? And Kate McKinnon goes, yeah, but it came from the front. <laughs> All right, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, but also... Also, shout out to Aquafina for yeah. making more, bringing greater knowledge of queefs to the, the American public that it <laughs> lands in a Ghostbuster movie that everybody hates. <laughs> and also, uh, there's a joke where Thor is dumb. Uh, if he's not d- Thor, he is box office poison. I, kinda. Oh, sorry. Sorry there, Hemsworth. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Because he's Thor. That's what he should be doing. Yeah. You, should, you should just, whatever you're going to do where you and Chris Evans are going to now do something else, don't do that. I'm going to yeah. tell you right now, don't do that. No. Like, you think it's a good idea, but it's not. You're Captain America and you're Thor. They can, make a, they can make a movie where it's <laughs> Thor and Captain America making out for 90 minutes. Right. It'll make so much more money than anything they do. Right. There's an amazing Leonard Nimoy quote where he says something along the lines of, the day that I realized that I could do anything with my life as Leonard Nimoy, but that in terms of my artistic career, I now had been given a role for my entire life and I accepted that I was happy. And I just sort of, that always stuck with me of that, like that, you know what? I'm not going to really try to be an actor outside of this because nobody else gets to have a role that everyone likes that everyone cares about. That's what you're trying to get the entire time. Isn't it? And you got it. You got a role that everyone wants you to play. And they love it. And they want you to keep playing. I don't know. But that's why I'm going to do Blockbuster Film School until you tear this goddamn microphone away from me. We need new mic stands. Be careful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're in perfect placement. I apologize. But I can see Brian Tepp's tense up. There's steam coming out of his ears. Well, if I could bring up one more thing with Ghostbusters. We were talking about it a little bit. It was just kind of the idea that the first Ghostbusters movie had this very distinct plot. And I think, and this is not just Ghostbusters. I think this gets into a lot of the remakes that became giant flops was that the first film often had a very unique story that no one had ever seen before. The first Ghostbusters is about a group of entrepreneurs who start a business and they're out of money. They have nothing else. They've been fired And no one believes them, but they believe in their idea and they start a business. It is a very American capitalistic idea, but they do it. And then their business is so successful that they get to a level where they're playing with things that maybe are even just a little beyond their own understanding. And then it culminates with, spoiler alert, whether or not they can stop these things, whether or not they can actually be heroes and not just guys who run a business. That's an interesting plot. The plot to the 2016 Ghostbusters does not have a plot, or at least discernibly one that I cannot understand. It's sort of that, but not that. 
And I just feel like if you're taking away plot elements, then you're always going to have these overproduced, over ridiculous movies that no one cares about. And you're always going to have these pissing contests between these big mega corporation studios that are just trying to make the movie that the other, oh, no, they made a movie that was a remake of that. So we have to make a remake of this. And it has to be, you know, it's just, I don't know. It gets out of control. That's all I was saying. Ghostbusters, yeah, it was a flop. And it's a real shame because it had a lot of amazing actors in it who I love, who are super funny. And it could have been, I think that's just what you were saying. I was sighing in the theater more so than anything was not, oh, the rude Ghostbusters. It was more just, man, you guys had this opportunity to make this super dope movie. You had this opportunity to make something amazing and you made one of the more mediocre things I've ever seen. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. There was no setup and punchline. Yeah. There was no delivery. Mm-hmm. It was just... And it's not the actor's fault necessarily. No, it's some of their faults. But also they yeah. had no material. So like yeah. they just let them improv the whole oh, time on I set. Know. And you could tell people were just like, what about this? <laughs> what about this? Right. And it's one thing when you're making Bridesmaids and it's an ensemble movie and you can, you know, but man, you got to have some funny lines written down. Got to have some linchpins. <laughs> All right. Let's switch away. There's a movie I wanted to bring up. There's a couple of movies in the box office bombs that are always brought up, right? At least when we were kind of really starting to be blockbuster nerds, there was a movie called Ishtar and a movie called Heaven's Gate, right? I just wanted to bring them up because they kind of are, for a lot of purposes, regarded as, at least to the baby boomer Gen X generation, as the beginning of true box office bombs, quote-unquote. Ishtar was an 87 movie that Warren Beatty made with Dustin Hoffman about American songwriters who travel to Morocco for a Cold War standoff. Uh, People did not enjoy it. (laughs) And it... Cost 50 million bucks and made 14 million worldwide. And kind of for a while stopped Warren Beatty from his career. And uh, have you seen Ishtar, Nick? I saw Ishtar before I knew how bad it was and how yes. much money it lost. It was on Encore. Yes. It was just like the middle of the day on a Saturday. I was just sitting there, I was watching it, I was just like, this is terrible. I know these people. These people are like good. It's rough. Yeah. I saw this in grade school and I was like, Oh, I'm just going to go out and put on reruns of Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> I'm just going to do something else. Yeah. Also, just one little spooky thing. The goddess Ishtar of the Nile is pronounced Eastar, right? And is where we get Easter and is the goddess of fertility and where you get like rabbits and all these kind of things is from the goddess Eastar. Mm. That is how that word is supposed to be pronounced. It is not pronounced Ishtar, but it is funny that it became this weird box of, I just, I, that always messed with me. I was, what? Why? Anyway, um, the Heaven's Gate, a little bit equal in its insanity. Now that's Michael Cimino who made the deer hunter and that was a huge critical and financial success. And then he, now Michael Cimino episode might be interesting because we can get into this because it's supposedly the, in terms of estimated value after Intolerance, the biggest box office bomb of all time. It cost, in 2019 dollars, the studio $144 million. It's regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. I've tried to watch it. It's like nine hours long. There is a 35-minute sequence about 
the Yale graduation in like 1908 that is in real time where you watch the entire graduation ceremony for Yale? I don't care. If you haven't heard the podcast before, Bonner <laughs> went to Harvard and he yes. has a real oh, rivalry with them that we can't even talk those about. Those Yale pricks yeah. with their tiny dongs and their weird faces and their fathers who only have medium-sized trust funds from their grandfathers who killed all those Indians. Ha! 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 I say. That's what I say. Anyway. Your monocle fell out. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you. I'll be at the loft in New York City. Mm, I invented Facebook. (laughs) Yes, the budget was $44 million. It had a box office of $3 million. Nice. That was in the 70s. Or 1980 and estimated $2,019. That's $144 million. <laughs> yeah, that destroyed a lot of people. Chris Christopherson was not allowed to act for a while. A lot of the actors kind of came out of this okay, but yeah, Samino was done and it uh, United Artists. You know, United Artists, we've talked about this before, but that was the company started by Charlie Chaplin and that made them have to sell themselves to Tom Cruise. <laughs> so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I guess, but there's a thing about the studios in the golden age. There was the big five and the little three, right? So Metro Goldwine, Mayer, MGM, Paramount, Fox, Warner Brothers, and RKO were the big, and the little three were Universal, United Artists, and Columbia. Those were the studios that ran the golden age. There was SA and Monogram and Republic and a few other little side ones, but those were the big dogs. Those were the ones who ran the show. And most of them are gone now. Most of all of them are owned by other people or corporations now. But at the time, that was the first one to go. United Art. Well, RKO had been done. That was Desilu Studios. That was had been chewed up and destroyed. But that was where United Artists went down. Was Michael Smino? Okay, so we're moving along here. We, we're going to have a couple more. I mean, there's so many goddamn box office bombs. I mean, <laughs> we could go into a million of them. What you got, Nick? What do you got? Who's on your list? Oh. Do you have a movie called Battlefield Earth? I'm leaving that for you. <laughs> I'm just going to bring it. We bring it up all the time. Turns out Scientology tried to make a movie, tried to make it Star Wars. Didn't go side. <laughs> was a fail. I want to bring up a movie made by one of my least favorite directors of all time. Ooh! It is a little pirate flick directed by Rennie Harlan called Cutthroat Island. How does he still have a career? I... I know it's bad to say this, but I was rooting for this movie to fail. <laughs> Have you seen Cutthroat Island? Uh, part of it. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, R.I.P. Matthew Modine. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta wait till Stranger Things came out. Seriously, dude. Seriously. It ate Matthew Modine. It's such a creep in that movie, that it's, show. Literally, Gina Davis managed to, at the same time, be shooting A League of Their Own. That saved Gina Davis. If Gina Davis hadn't been shooting A League of Their Own at the same time, that would have been the end of her, too. <laughs> so, budget, $98 million, box office, 10 Yeah. Um, when adjusted for inflation, the movie lost $147 million. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it, the movie uh, looked like, like a water park theme yeah. show. Yeah, like the uh, Water World um, they wish. stunt show at Universal. Which we should get into those real quick. We should bring those up. The two of the Kevin Costner directed big budget 
opuses after three of them, actually, because Wyatt Earp didn't make any money either. But he made Waterworld. He made The Postman, starring Tom Petty. And neither of those movies made any money. But Waterworld at least had a slightly cult following. Is why I was kind of hesitant to bring it up, because now apparently Waterworld has made its money back in DVD sales, and there's still a licensing element. There's still a fan base for Waterworld. There's still people who cosplay it. It's still kind of in the zeitgeist there. But did you have any other Cutthroat Island thoughts? I wasn't mean to cut you off. I just knew we would have to bring that up, and we'll have our own. I think a Kevin Costner episode would be very fun, actually. I'll set that one out. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to talk about fucking draft day for an hour. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> we could talk about the movies that he's good in. Bull Durham. Tin Cup. I will say, though, that he has another one in this movie called Driven, which is a Sylvester Stallone sports action oh, thriller action movie. Oh, yes. About Formula One or some yeah. shit. Oh, Budget yeah. 94. Box office 54. Mm. They lost 67. His last, the, the last movie that Rennie Harlan made was a Russian language movie shot in the style of found footage. They don't have his budget listed. Because Rennie Harlan had some other movies, didn't he? Did, Die Hard Di- 2. Die Hard 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yes. Yeah, the worst Die Hard movie. Yes. Before all the other ones. But he had a couple of successes, though. Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. And was Speed 2. No, that was still Yondabont. Yondabont, yes. That's where all your feet jokes come from. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> he also directed A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, which is dog shit. Mm-hmm. But I'll give him credit. He did make Deep Blue Sea. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. He made Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. I was like, there's a Rennie Harlan movie he made that made a bunch of money. I can't think of it. I love them. They're friends of the show, but the Wachowskis have two on the list. They have both Speed Racer, which is the one I will defend artistically. And they also made Jupiter Ascending, which is the one I will not defend. (laughs) Jupiter Ascending is bad and dumb and involves Magic Mike space rollerblading around. As half-man, half-dog. He is half-man, half-dog. It has Jackie from That 70s Show being a space princess or something. They are all from, quote-unquote, Chicago. None of them have accents. No. They... (laughs) And she's supposed to be like a maid and doesn't have a crazy person accent. Listen, I am not bashing on people who do service industry. We do service industry. I'm just saying everyone who does service industry talks insane. Okay. No one talks like how. I'm not an outer space princess. (laughs) I clean toilets. Yes. No one who cleans a toilet looks like Jackie <laughs> from that 70s show. They look like me, except somehow more broken down of a person. Yes. And say things like, yeah, it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. What are you, some sort of space fucking dog, flies through Skywear? Fuck you. That's a lot more of the what you would get yeah. if you talk to someone who cleans toilets all the time in Chicago. But just real quick. I like Emil Hirsch. I know he's kind of a lunatic, but I like him as an actor. I like Speed Racer. I thought it was actually a very good movie. I thought it was a very good movie. I know it's not something people want to watch, I, but I thought it was really cool. I thought they did a lot of weird shit that nobody ever did in any movie, and I still kind of enjoy Speed Racer. I know it was a fail. I know it lost a lot of money, but I did enjoy it. There's a movie I did not enjoy that we should bring up only because somehow Ryan Reynolds managed to circumnavigate failing nonstop and made a movie called Green Lantern, (laughs) which 
is trash. Why were the masks CGI? Why? Why were the masks? Why was the outfit CGI? Put something on his fucking face. You can't. You can't get costume designers to just make an outfit for the guy. For real? How lazy are you? Also, Peter Sarsgaard. Come on, man. What are you doing? What are you doing, man? Like, how hard it be for money? I want to bring up a movie real fast. Mm-hmm. Which also brings up another fucking terrible thing that happens to people. Yes. I'm bringing up Fantastic Four, directed by Josh Trank. Mm. Now, this movie was ripped apart by the studio. They took it away from him. First act is really good. That's what he directed. Yeah. And then they were like, ah, we have some notes. Yeah. And you should leave. Here's the thing, Mm -hmm. though. The first movie he directed was Chronicle. Mm. Budget, $12 Box office, $127 Maybe dollars. trust this guy. Maybe he's uh, kind of my chemical romance. You don't understand it, but the kids do. Yeah. Like, if you have somebody who makes a little movie and then, like, makes a shit ton of money, yeah. they always give them a shit ton of money for their next movie. Yeah. And then sometimes people get lucky. And then a lot of times they're that Colin Trevorrow guy who just gets fucked. This guy gets fucked. Mm. Like, Colin Trevor, he sucks. Mm. But, like... Just trust them. Yes. Let them do their shit. Let them you do hire their- them for a reason. You're hiring young directors with a vision. Yes. And then when you see that vision, you go, that's cool. But what if we made it shitty? And also, it's not. it doesn't fit into the collector cup. Like, yeah. how are they supposed to have the collector cup? And you're like, well, you didn't hire me to make collector's cups. Well, actually, we did. You should have seen me. Yeah, it's a real fail for Trent because after I saw the Fantastic Four the first, yeah, act and a piece was good. And then you could obviously tell where it changed. You could obviously, like, very clearly it became a CW thing and was real stupid. And he was slated to direct this last Star Wars movie that was coming out. He was supposed no, to. No, that was Colin uh, Trevorrow. You know how big a nerd I am. Initially, Trank was slated to do, it was supposed to be Abrams and then Goofball and then Trank. But that got pulled real fast, real early on, because after they announced that, maybe six months later, he got pulled from Fantastic Four, and then immediately Disney pulled him from Star Wars. I'll and bet you one dollar. Do it. Hit it up. Josh Trank, I'm telling you, okay. was absolutely slated at one point to direct Star Wars. Because if you think about it, what was the name of that movie you just said? The big hit he had. But the angry kids who could fly. Chronicle. Chronicle. Chronicle is basically the story. It's an interesting kind of take on why someone like Anakin Skywalker might exist, right? Somebody who's a really angry Columbine-like teenager who starts to have, like, kind of superpowers, and then he kind of falls in love with a girl, and she calms him down, but the sexual charge sort of even powers him up more, and then that goes sideways, so he gets even more psycho. It's an interesting take. If you're going to go the one... so we were both... Uh, sort of right. Yeah. Josh Trank had a standalone Star Wars movie he got pulled from. Oh, okay. Colin Trevorrow was supposed to do Rise of Skywalker. Okay. okay. All right. He's donating all of his residuals to uh, charity. Mm. He's a fuck you to Disney who doesn't care. Yeah, Disney doesn't care. Yeah. Disney, the mouse will just fucking. Yeah. They don't <laughs> give a shit. Just beat you mercilessly. <laughs> all right. So there's one more I want to bring up of a movie I really enjoyed. Came out in 1998. It's a Kurt Russell movie that I really, really liked. I've watched it recently. I still like it. It's called Soldier. It was a Paul W.S. Anderson movie who then eventually would go on to making the Resident Evil movies and things like that. They're dumb. But 
It was written by David Webb Peebles. Honestly, it's really kind of a cool idea. It's been stolen a lot. It kind of almost became a lot of the video games that would come out after that. It was regarded as a big fail. It kind of stopped Kurt Russell being a leading man. It didn't stop Kurt Russell's career, but it kind of ended the Kurt Russell being the, the main guy and stuff. But I like Soldier. I just wanted to put that out there. I also like Solo, a Star Wars story. There you go. I said it. I fucking liked it. I thought it was good. And I thought it only kind of tanked because the Last Jedi sucks so bad. Anyway, remember when we watched Supernova? Remember that movie? I do. Supernova. That movie's fantastic. Sort of directed by <laughs> Walter Hill. Sort of directed by <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola. And another guy who got hired and fired and directed one scene. <laughs> It was a fail. It was their original choice. It's hard to watch. We didn't watch it. We fast-forwarded through it like we did Last Boy Scout. Yeah. Also, we should bring that up, uh, Last Boy Scout and uh, what's the other one? Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk, the even bigger fail, $65 million, a gross budget of $17 million. Basically ended Bruce Willis for a touch, those two movies. And then, like he does, he went to the guy who brings people back, and he made Pulp Fiction and... They still wouldn't put him as a leading man in a movie, but then he made 12 Monkeys and made the fifth element. (laughs) And also the Sixth Sense. A lot of numbered movies, and he bounced back. There's so many we could go into. This got out of control. Sometimes we try this. We'll go into this a little more. Maybe we'll go into an entire studio or something of movies that fail. Or maybe we should do Box Office Bombs by Decade next time, because goddamn, there's so many. Mortal Engines that came out. Monkey Bone. Monkey Bone was trash, and no one cares about that. But it was the guy who is kind of the adjacent Tim Burton director, whose name escapes me at the moment, but it cost $75 million and made like $7 million. And they basically said to Henry Selleck, the guy who directed Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline and all those movies, they were like, just stick to you and Tim Burton doing shit from now on, all right? Why don't you, uh, why don't you quit that shit? Why don't we go to the Blockbuster Film Wall, Nick? What do you feel like? You into that? Let's do it. Let's do it. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall. <laughs> you got three movies that you think people should watch of these bombs? I sure hope so. <laughs> God, I hope so. What you got there, pal? Uh, I'm going to go with The Adventures of Baron uh, Manchelson. Baron von Munchausen is fucking dope. Yeah. 100%. You stole one of mine, you son of a bitch. You're welcome. Thank you. Terry Gilliam. It is great. Yeah. It's a gr- it is an honestly great movie. It is electric in the acting. Eric Idle. Dude, there's so this much. This Sarah Polly's first movie. Dude, it's her. so good. It's so Robin Williams did that as the king of the moon with the floating head. There's, oh, there's so much good stuff in that movie. There's so much wild Terry Gilliamness. It's absolutely, I love that movie. I've loved that movie forever. It stands up incredibly, incredibly. What, what do you think about Baron von Munchausen, Dick? I really like it. It's a really good fucking movie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's your number three? Yeah. All right. I'll say on my three, it's hard on movies that are trash. There's a reason a lot of these are bombs. And all right, I'll say Speed Racer. Speed Racer, the Wachowskis, you could tell the Wachowskis love Speed Racer. They poured their damn heart into that movie. It's so wild. There's a part 
where someone has to, like when you're in a racing video game and you're racing a ghost, a hologram of the best score, the best time, and Speed Racer is racing his dead dad, who is a hologram, who is racing him, and there's a weird moment where he looks over just at a moment, and the hologram looks back at him, and it's like, what am I watching? What is this? It's so insane, and it's worth watching. I will say that. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but it's worth watching. Nick, what's your two? Blackout. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it all back around. Yeah, fair. There's problems with the cinematography, and there's problems with the acting and there's problem with the pacing and the story structure is wrong. And the story is obviously not in the right order. There's a couple of things. And the CGI <laughs> blood looks really bad. <laughs> and the major shootout is sort of hard to see just because it's so poorly shot and the lighting's bad. But um, if you will, there's like a scene at the end. That's not bad. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Here's the thing. You know why you watch it? You watch it because it's yeah. a fucking Michael Mann movie. Yes. And despite the fact that it is trash. Yes. You still just have to. It's like a car accident you could rent. Yeah. I. And it's a yeah. Michael Mann movie. You it's know? A Michael Mann movie. If you're a Michael Mann nerd, you have to watch it. Yeah. I agree. My second, I kind of gushed on it already, but it's it's Soldier. I like Soldier. It's about Kurt Russell is like a super soldier that they genetically engineer. And he has been running around doing terrible things for decades, but now he's old. And so they literally throw him in the trash, right? On a trash planet, they throw him in the trash and they have better, more advanced things. And there's this weird group of rebel colonists who find him in the trash and kind of clean him up and start to be like, no, dude, you're a human. And they sort of teach him it's a weird like reverse terminator like he was a terminator and they're like no no like you're a person and he starts to befriend them and then they send the killers to get rid of them but now he's got a little bit of heart to him and a chip on his shoulder and it's awesome he kicks ass it's worth watching what's your number one of the box office bombs because there i mean we didn't even get into some of them this is going to be a total surprise (gasps) first of all ender's game (laughs) Honorable mention, the Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, a, Like, it bonded the box office. It's making its money back. It's, it's coming, coming back. Off all, but, like, as I said in the fucking Denise Villeneuve episode, mm-hmm. I love that movie. I just mm-hmm. want to acknowledge that. My number one is a shock to everybody. Uh-oh. But it's Treasure Planet because <laughs> I confused that with Titan AE. <laughs> and it's Treasure Planet. It was the movie that was on WGN after sports. Um, it's a weird fucking movie. There's some ghosts in it. I had no idea. What I was, I'm not drunk or high. It's just, <laughs> I, here, I've confused this so many times that I rented Titan AE thinking it was Treasure Planet. Like, this isn't that movie. And then I go bring it back and rent fucking Treasure Planet like a dickhead. Like, a goddamn. Yeah. But Joseph Gordon Levitt's one of the voices in it. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Like, it's, it's worth, it's definitely worth watching. Treasure Planet. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Do you have any sort of last references you want to toss in? No. No, that's fair. I do have to toss one in. There's a 2019 movie called Dark Phoenix, which is trash, but it is the last of the 20th Century Fox Marvel movies. And I feel like I just have to bring it up because I feel like the 20th Century Fox Marvel guys knew they were getting bought out by Disney while they were making that movie, and they purposely dive-bombed that movie. (laughs) 
They purposely well, tried to put more money into the marketing budget and give themselves more bonuses and put it into more theaters and basically were just like wagging their dicks and like, oh, you want to buy out our entire company and fire all of us? Well, tell you what, we are going to suck as much money out of this franchise as we possibly can. I just have to give them credit for... Yeah. The level of mayhem that was Dark Phoenix. That movie wasn't going to get released. It wasn't even going to get released. And And then they found out that they were getting bought out and they pushed all 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 of their chips. All in. They were were, everything. They pushed all the chips in and all the the furniture and put it into posters in Guam. We don't give a shit. Fuck Disney. And I genuinely appreciate that. I want it. That movie is trash. But I want to give a shout out to the 20th Century Fox Marvel team for being petty as fuck. But I will go with it again. Lo, I see my mother and lo, I see my father and lo, I see my people back to the beginning. The 13th Warrior is dope. I don't care what anybody says. It is one of my favorite movies in my entire life. That is not a joke. People were not ready for it. They didn't know what Game of Thrones was. They didn't know what any of this stuff was of making something that was a smart movie that didn't exist in the sort of non it's not a fantasy movie it's just a period piece that involves swords and magic and something very very weird about human nature and i enjoy it quite a bit there's no actual magic it's actually very interesting it's very cool it has this very interesting michael crichton kind of element to it and i love it and i think we managed to make it through box office bombs i think we managed to do it brian did we make it we're alive all right Nick's dead. That's the end, I think. I think he's done. Titan A.E. So. You son of a bitch. <laughs> well, everybody, it's been another great blockbuster film school. Epic, really. I want you all to follow us on Instagram. Explosive. Absolutely. I am Bonzo with three N's. Sleepy Menthol. And Don't give out my real name. I'm, of course not. And subscribe and... <laughs> <laughs> subscribe and review. Please subscribe and review. Please, this is the part where I beg. Where I beg like a goddamn... Please. Please don't kill our families. Please. Please subscribe and review. If you like the show, which you do. If you're here at this point, if you're at the end of the show, come on, you do. Please subscribe and review. I'll come to your house. I'll kiss you on the lips. I'll do. I'll give you a lips kiss. That's the, the coolest way to say it. Well, everybody, we did a great job today. You did a great job. Nick did a great job. Brian did a great job. We're going to see you in one week. Wait, was that first you, you, or is it the audience? You said you did a great job. Was the audience, or were you, were you talking directly to yourself? Well, everyone, that's the end of Blockbuster <laughs> Film School. <laughs> we'll see you in one week. Congratulations. You made it.